0: This weekend, watching the Sunday talk shows felt relentless.
1: On offense, a humanitarian nightmare at the U.S.-Mexico border has President Trump threatening to shut the border down.
0: The president had just threatened to shut down the border with Mexico. This was a couple days after he proposed ditching Obamacare.
2: Will soon be known as the party of health care.
0: And the person the administration sent out into this media scrum was...
2: President Trump's acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. Thank you for joining us.
0: Mick Mulvaney. Listening to Mick Mulvaney argue the Trump administration's case felt a little like listening to a hijacker explain why he'd taken over an airplane, like on health care. He started out by explaining what he saw as the problem.
2: Obamacare. People are actually paying money to the government not to have to take Obamacare. That is a symptom of something that is desperately broken
0: then Mulvaney explained he was being forced to dismantle the Affordable Care Act.
2: We would love to work with the Democrats on repairing that problem, on fixing things. We honestly don't think they will do uh, any of that, they w- we don't think they'll work with us unless this court case proceeds and Obamacare is found to be unconstitutional, which is what we believe. So, um,
0: When he was talking about the border, he made the same argument — that the only fix is to just break everything
2: is not working we're supposed to fix this by changing the laws democrats won't do that so we're looking at cutting off aid and closing the borders again those are decisions that our, our hands are forced our hands are forced on that decisions because democrats won't help us fix the problem
1: um i do think mulvaney is sort of settling into his role as chief of staff as kind of chief enabler right
0: Jordan Weissman's a writer here at Slate. He's been covering McMulvaney for the past couple of years.
1: He is a relentlessly ambitious human being. That is one thing if you read about his history. And people have written about him over the years. And he is just extremely ambitious. He's extremely flexible.
0: Since Trump took office, Mulvaney's gone from running the Office of Management and Budget to his new role as acting chief of staff.
1: He's one of the few people who's actually survived the Trump administration and is kind of doing it with aplomb in his own weird way.
0: And Jordan says, if you're trying to figure out what happens next in a post Mueller, pre-election Trump administration, Mick Mulvaney, he's the guy to watch.
1: Mulvaney meets with Trump twice a day. He's got tons of access. He's placing his people around the White House. And his instincts on how to operate are in some ways very similar to the president's worst instincts. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. At least his most self-defeating instincts are very similar to Mulvaney's instincts. And so it's I just I think it's kind of a recipe for more erratic kind of lashing out.
0: You're buckling up for the Mick Mulvaney presidency.
1: Not so much the Mick Mulvaney presidency as just sort of a, a you know, really pure, high-proof distillation of the, of the, the the worst parts of the Trump presidency. Barrel-aged. Barrel? No, because no, 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 no. no. <laughs> because barrel aging kind of smooths the rough edges. This is like the moonshine. <laughs> like this is this is something that's coming out of a pot still on the back. There's nothing mellow about this.
0: Today on the show. Jordan's going to tell us how Mick Mulvaney works and what that means for the rest of us. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by SAP. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI will not help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But that's not the only thing that drives him. I asked Jordan to start out by explaining the principles that have guided Mulvaney as a politician.
1: You know, he was one of the Tea Party Republicans who swept in in 2010. He had been a a state politician in South Carolina. He had started in politics um, because he decided that the Bush administration was too profligate with its spending. And he was sort of a hardcore fiscal conservative.
0: Now our interview with Representative-elect Mick Mulvaney. He's the first Republican to represent South Carolina's 5th District since 1883. I found this video of him talking about why he decided to run. And it's interesting, he has this whole story where he talks about, I went to a town hall and I saw the guy who was my representative, and he said, it's going to be great when government runs health care, because yeah. it's going to bring costs down. And he called his wife immediately, was like, <laughs> honey, I'm in. I'm in. You know, it's like he he's made a whole narrative
2: saw Mr. Spratt talking about how government takeover of health care was a really good thing, how it would lower the cost curve, and got frustrated and called my wife on the way home and said, hey, listen, can I run for Congress? And she said, well, that depends. Can you win? And I said, no. And she said, well, then you can run.
1: Uh, I think it's sincere. Really got- if you think of one big part of the Republican Party's base, and especially its donor base, as like successful small business guys who think they're smarter than the bureaucracy in Washington, he, that's him. That's him. He's a exurban businessman, suburban businessman who then decided he was going to run for Congress as a hardcore fiscal conservative and cut the waste. And well, not just the waste, cut everything in <laughs> and, and, and the Tea Party. That is his, kind of his guiding light. Well, that and cutting regulations. And then he got to Washington. He ended up co-founding the Freedom Caucus. Right. Which we all know is like with Mark Meadows, with Mark Meadows, kind of the the troublemakers caucus for the Republican Party. Just died in the wool, hardcore, uncompromising conservatives who made life a nightmare for John Boehner and made life a nightmare for Paul Ryan at times. And he very quickly started becoming a media presence because in 2011, when there was the whole debt ceiling showdown, he was one of the people who was, you know, talking to reporters and saying, oh, yeah, we can we can breach the debt limit. We can figure out how to make that work. It won't be a problem. We'll prioritize payments, yada, yada. Everyone else is staring at him and going like this is insane.
0: <laughs> so he kind of thrives on chaos.
1: Chaos, I don't think is right. I think confrontation is. That's his political instinct. The debt ceiling, he pushed to shut the government down and breached the debt limit if necessary. In 2013, he was all signed on for the government shutdown over Obamacare that went so poorly, as we all remember. Yeah, I think we've all sort of forgotten the craziness of the Obama years, like when he had to deal with the Republican House and later the Republican Senate because the Trump years have been so much crazier, so much crazier by an order of magnitude you know, Washington was extremely dysfunctional during that time. And it was just a series of showdowns. It felt like it was showdowns over the budget, showdowns over Obamacare. It was just grinding. And so he and
0: Mick Mulvaney was was, there for it. Yeah, he was there for it.
1: Yeah, he was there for it. He was (laughs) he was like, I mean, like in Internet speak. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like he was he was so there for it. And then, you know, Donald Trump is running for president. And no one really expected he would win or anything. Well, there's this quote yeah. from
0: Mulvaney, right? Where like a few days before the election, he's like, yeah, yeah, that guy's a terrible human being. Yeah, he did.
1: Yes, I'm supporting
2: Donald Trump. I'm doing so as enthusiastically as I can, even the fact I think he's a terrible human being, uh, but the choice on the other side is just as bad.
1: So Trump wins. And people are like, who the hell is going to join this administration? <laughs> and apparently in this game, there's a really, um, if, if you want to understand like the Dow of Mick Mulvaney, there's a really crucial Mike Runwald profile from Politico from right like kind of at the beginning of his tenure. Um, and apparently he just went up to Paul Ryan and asked if he would recommend him for Office of Management and Budget.
0: Just um, no fear. Just, hey, yeah, apparently let's
1: do it. Yeah, he's like, hey, would you recommend me? And it, it seems like the House leadership sort of decided that, Yeah, it's not a bad idea. He can sort of be a bridge between the Trump administration and the House and the Freedom Caucus, the hardcore conservatives, and you know beyond that also to some extent to the leadership. One of the things about Mulvaney was, even though he was kind of an extremist, uh, you know, right wing nut job as he liked to refer to himself as, he was the one right wing nut job that guys like Paul Ryan actually could kind of work with. He was sort of like the most flexible and reasonable of the nut jobs. That was his reputation. (laughs)
0: Sometimes this looks like Mulvaney the triumphant, cunning, behind-the-scenes operator. Sometimes it looks like Mulvaney the insistent, stomping gleefully on a hornet's nest of political controversy. Like that time he was just a few months into the job as OMB director. And then he announced big funding cuts to Meals on Wheels. You know, the program that home delivers meals to military veterans and seniors we we can't spend money beca-
2: on programs just because they sound good and great meals on wheels sounds great again that's a state decision
1: that was his his debut as budget director where he came out with this document that was sort of slash and burn, right? Like it was I mean, it was problematic for so many reasons. But Sounds very on brand, though. A very on brand. It was a very McMulvaney budget. Turned out not to be a very Donald Trump budget, but it was a very McMulvaney budget. And it slashed to the community development block grant, which was one thing that everyone kind of took note of because that funds things like Meals on Wheels. And rather than try to kind of downplay that, he was just like, yeah, I'm cutting Meals on Wheels. <laughs> like, So this is the other thing. This is the, the kind of dichotomy it's important to realize is that. Mulvaney is, has turned out to be an extremely talented backroom operator. Hmm. But I think it, it's fair to say he is bad at the public part of politics. He's not good at being, like a national figure. He attracts like attention for all of the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, but it's balanced with he's very good at operating within the Trump administration. And at OMB when he first you know got this job as sort of, you know, this odd bridge between Trump, who conservatives were worried was not going to be a fiscal conservative. And he turned out he is not a fiscal conservative, but they're, you know. Correctly, but they're like,
0: "We'll put this guy in charge because he's really fiscally conservative." You can see
1: the thinking, right? Maybe the most telling anecdote, and this again was reported in that Grumwell profile back a while back, and I think it, it still is extremely telling about how he operates. When he was trying to figure out what he could, what programs he could cut in the budget, he sat down with the president in his office. He's like, "Well, how about these cuts to uh, Medicare?" And Trump's like, "No, I said I wouldn't cut Medicare during the campaign. Can't do it." Okay, fine. What about these cuts to Social Security? And Trump's like, no, I can't cut Social Security. I said I wouldn't do it during the campaign. All right. How about uh, disability insurance? And Trump's like, what the hell is disability insurance? Because he's Donald Trump. And he's like, (laughs) apparently he said it's welfare. And Donald Trump says, great, we can cut it. And of course, disability insurance is part of Social Security. But Mulvaney just didn't mention that. And so that budget then went and cut billions and billions from disability insurance. And lots of people said Trump is going back on his promise here.
0: But the thing about that story yeah. is that the person who told it to the reporter was
1: Mick Mulvaney,
0: which is crazy.
1: And yet it didn't like he knew enough that it didn't matter because Trump probably wasn't going to read the profile anyway. And this since then has sort of been his M.O. is he's like, OK, well, I can't accomplish this goal because that would piss off Trump. I can't do this because it would piss off Trump. But what what can I can I kind of press here? Can I try this? Can I do this thing? Maybe I can get the Trump president to go along with me on this as OMB director. Actually, I think he you know, he ended up screwing up a little too much in that role. He didn't piss off Trump, but he pissed off everyone else. At one point, you know, they were coming back up to the debt ceiling and uh, congressional Republicans really didn't want to fight. Our leadership really did not want to fight over the debt ceiling right on their watch. And Mulvaney went ahead and urged conservatives to ask for spending cuts in return for raising it again. Mm. And he was throwing a wrench into, like, you know, Mitch McConnell's plans, which is you just do not piss off Mitch McConnell. Um, And so he ended up basically sidelined from budget negotiations in the future, which is bad when you're the budget director. Um, He he kind of lost all influence there in the end. But
0: you're painting this picture of this guy who's like failing up. Well, like he just keeps imploding things and then moving on. But then
1: he went over to the CFPB and that's what this is. The agency that Elizabeth Warren came up with as sort of the agency was going to protect consumers from predatory lenders, payday lenders and, you know, nefarious credit card companies, things along those lines.
0: And Mick mulvaney Keeman was like, the budget for this office should be zero, as I recall.
1: uh, He didn't think it should have existed. right? He back in the day, he said, I do not think the CFPB should exist. And this is the other thing. He's very anti-regulation. Again, the small business owner and him, like it totally fits that profile. One of the first things he did was send out this kind of intro letter to the staff where he said, we don't just work for the government. We work for taxpayers, which you know, sounds fine. And then he goes on to say, the people who use credit cards and the people who issue credit cards, the people who use takeout loans and the people who make the loans. Basically says, we work for payday lenders. And, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And that was like his intro. He then made good on that. They basically killed a lot of investigations into payday lenders, which, I mean, is not surprising because he was one of the top recipients of donations from that industry when he was in Congress. They froze enforcement actions for the most part. I actually I went and double checked. And during the first three quarters of 2017, there were 31 uh, CFPB enforcement actions. And then in the uh, first three quarters of 2018, which is when he had taken over, you know, that was his kind of tenure there. There were six. Enforcement actions. So and one of those was against Wells Fargo, which was their big one. And Donald Trump had literally demanded that in a tweet. He -hmm. was like he was apparently ready to kind of go easy on them for all their screw ups. And he was like, oh, well, the big guy says I have to do this. So we'll go hard on them.
0: But so what you're what you're talking about is a guy who is not successful when he has to deal with other people in Washington Mm -hmm. like Congress.
1: Well, he's not he's not successful when he has to deal with politics. Right. Whereas. If he's just put in charge of an agency where it doesn't really matter what the press says about him because there's so much other crazy stuff going on that there's no way anybody's going to focus that hard on what's happening at the CFPB, he will just start unwinding the agency. He will just start doing that without any compunctions about what what shows up in the press or what the staff think about who complains.
0: But isn't his whole job now politics? Because now he's he's gone from OMB to CFPB to now acting chief of staff. So it strikes me his job is like very political
1: sort of kind of not really the way he's doing is so now he's now he's become acting chief of staff Um, and he got that job after basically everyone else in the world said no he seems to have learned from his predecessors past mistakes which was they sort of tried to control the president. John Kelly would you know, keep people out of his office, control the reading material that would show up on his desk, except, you know, it would tick him off in the process. He put baby in a corner. He, he put baby in a corner. Mulvaney hasn't done that. Instead, he has let Trump be Trump. And at the same time, he has slowly but surely placed his own staffers around the White House. And this is where his kind of internal operator comes out. And we sort of saw the fruits of that recently with this decision about Obamacare. Right. And there's this lawsuit where a bunch of state's attorneys general, you know, a bunch of Republican states have sued and said that all of Obamacare is unconstitutional. Basically, it was rendered unconstitutional by the uh, tax bill that the GOP passed in 2017 because uh, the way it changed the individual mandate.
0: And the government has been arguing like, OK, like we'll- we'll roll back pre-existing condition stuff like bit by bit, but we don't want to get rid of the whole thing.
1: Yeah. So the key thing is that that was their position. (laughs) And so recently Mulvaney decided to push this issue and push the administration to actually revise its position in the appeals court and say, actually, we think all of Obamacare is unconstitutional now. We don't think it's just these parts of it. We think the whole law should fall.
0: And And the reporting was that, like, the DOJ was against this. Bill Barr was saying no. And Alex Azar at Health and, at yeah, Health and Human Services serious. was saying the same thing.
1: Mike Pence was saying no. Everyone was like, this is a bad idea. We are not ready to replace Obamacare. If we say we are trying to take down this whole bill and if it does fall, we have we have no plan. If we we are the dogs that are going to catch the car.
0: I called it Brexit of U.S. healthcare.
1: <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Right. The key thing here is that Mulvaney has a really good bead on Donald Trump's personality. And he said, well, your base will love it. And it will force a crisis. right? This is his M.O. And Trump bought it because it sort of plays into his his own instincts. He sort of operates that way.
0: It's not just the Obamacare thing. That's yeah. the thing that stands out to me because it's like the Obamacare thing happened last week. And then there was over the weekend all of this back and forth about the border. And maybe we're going to shut down the border. You saw Mick Mulvaney on the Sunday show saying, yeah, we could just shut it down. And you saw him talking about we're going to just cut off aid to these countries. What I think is interesting about all of these things yeah. is that it it is him beginning to tread on, like, Congress's territory. Like, their, their job is to make the budget and to appropriate the money. And they did that. They appropriated money for aid. Their job is to make the laws. And they did that. They made the ACA. And you can see... Like Susan Collins, she came out and she she came back to him and said, we really need to work out this ACA thing. She She's like, Bill Barr needs to come out with a different idea here because this isn't working. And to me, I look at that and I'm like, you're going to begin to see this fracturing yeah. where the Republicans have been working hard to fracture the Democrats. But Mick Mulvaney is really putting some pressure on the Republicans.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And if you think back to it, like, what did the Freedom Caucus do? Freedom Caucus not fight with Democrats the Freedom Caucus fought with Republicans that was was that was their MO that was why they existed they were the extremist faction now one of their own is has more access to president trump than almost anybody else i think you're right that you're going to see more tension between Mulvaney and people like Collins who are sitting here saying, hey, I need to keep my seat in 2020. (laughs) Hey, hey, I know you're really bad at politics, but I like to think I'm good at politics. (laughs) And like that's like, let's not do the dumb thing and do the smart thing. Like that's I think I think that's going to be a lot. And Mulvaney is going to be saying, no, no, but I really want to do the dumb thing. And you can't can't stop me from doing the dumb thing because I'm in the White House
0: yeah I mean, it's interesting because people said after the midterms, you're going to see President Trump kind of off the chain, and I didn't really know what that meant until this past
1: week, yeah, well, that's because yeah Mueller exactly right now now he feels liberated because he sort of has this cloud you know lifted from his head temporarily, I mean we'll see what happens when the report comes back, and you're right he he is a little bit off the chain, and Mulvaney's not one to pull him back.
0: Jordan, thanks for coming in.
1: Uh, th- thank you for having me on to try and explain the, the Dow of Mick.
0: Jordan Weissman is Slate's senior business and economics correspondent. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me. Mary Harris. And my producers are Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to see the prank I pulled on my family for April Fool's Day, you're going to have to go to my Twitter. That's at Mary's Desk. Talk to you tomorrow.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants.